sun comes up I'm driving when the sun goes down The hum of 18 wheels Lord, that's the lonely sound I spend all day Chasing that old white line I've been on the road so long I've lost track of time Hey friends, this is Gary Rayburn of Lonesome Road Ministries, and we've got an awesome program for you. I know you're going to enjoy it today, and you're going to want to get more copies of this, so give us a call, 618-383-2107, or log on to lonesomeroad.org. Or you can email me at gary.lonesomeroad at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you. Now sit back. Listen and enjoy today's program from Lonesome Road Ministries, Church on the Road. Give us a call. We look forward to hearing from you. I keep those wheels turning from town to town. There's so much I got to see. I got to look around. I got diesel smoke rolling. From two crumb stacks, my address is 408 414. Big blue mag. Now it don't matter where I'm going, I just gotta drive. I have that white line fever to the day that I die. I said 18 wheels rolling on the road, it is my life. 18 wheels rolling on the road, it is my life. Free. I was so dry. 
vessel till breath came inside. Then the early believers in the upper room, <laughs> they got drunk on the spirit when the wind blew. Spirit, 
songs off of her CD when the wind blows so give Anna a call her phone number is 281-636-5100 give Anna a call right now and order one of these great CDs of hers or book her for your church or your Christian event Anne and Jim travel all over the country sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with their testimonies and their songs and we got a real treat for you today. We're going to share Ann's testimony with you. And I know you're going to enjoy listening to Ann Webb Davenport's testimony. And then we're going to put on some more music off of some of her other CDs. So sit back, listen, and enjoy this great testimony by Ann Webb Davenport. Here's Ann. Well, I was um, raised in church. <laughs> I mean, you had that experience where you, my mother was very, very strict religious person and uh, she had us in church every time the doors open we'd have to go within a hundred mile radius it didn't matter whether it was our church somebody else's church when there was church going on we had to be there and uh, I didn't particularly like that I I didn't like being dragged to church and uh, I just always lived I thought for the day where I could get out and have fun in life you know I hadn't lived because to my mother in the church that I went to, everything was a sin. You couldn't go to a weenie roast, you couldn't wear jeans, you know, everything was sin. So I thought, uh, well, this is just not a life for me. All I see is just a, a life of don'ts. I never really heard a lot in church about how God blesses yeah. you, joy and all. I just thought, well, when I get saved, and I knew someday I would, I've just got to stop doing everything that's fun, you know, and just. I really visualized myself just kind of drying up and dying, you know, just um, just never ever having fun again. And so I was baptized several times in church and uh, <laughs> thought that I, a few times that maybe I was at least living in a Christian home. But I'm telling you, living in a Christian home and going to church every time the doors open and getting baptized does not make you a Christian. And I found that out real fast. And uh, so you can do some religious things. You can do all kinds of religious things. You can even live a religious life and not know God. And I found that out the hard way. And so I, I, I just waited until I got my opportunity when I was about uh, 16. But, you know, I watched people, and I always hated hypocrisy. And uh, I, my mother was a, a tremendous witness to me because she, she wasn't afraid of anything and she'd go and take care of people with dreaded diseases and uh, never come home with, with anything. If we got sick, she'd just take us to church and have us prayed for. She didn't believe in doctors. So uh, I saw mother's faith. She'd make pledges at church, for instance, and we were very poor. And um, so she'd make a pledge. They'd take pledges for, to make something. and. And mother would make a pledge and daddy would panic. And my daddy wasn't a Christian either. He hated being dragged to church as, as much as some of us. But mother drug him too, you know. She kind of ruled the place. And so uh, <laughs> we, we, she'd make a pledge and daddy would get all frightened. You can't, where are we going to get that kind of money? And my mother would always say, God will provide. And she never worried about it. And I would always watch and see how God was going to do it this time. And he always came through in just miraculous ways. You know, Mama never had to, Daddy never had to make extra money to, to cover that. God always provided it. 
And so I saw faith growing up. I mean, tremendous faith. I saw a man raised from the dead in our church. And, and, and so I knew that, that God was alive and well and, and that he performed miracles. I knew all of that. But I would look at people that would live for the Lord on, on Sunday. You know, other, some of my friends and all, they'd come and they'd go to the altar and they'd weep and they'd cry over their sins and they'd be fine. But come Monday morning, they'd just be living like everybody else. And I, I, I said, I won't ever do that. If I, I can't live the life that I thought I had to live. So I'm just not going to live it at all. And when I get to the place where I think I might can do that, then I'll accept the Lord. And so I left home and I married young when I was 16 and uh, got out and my husband was a gambler. And um, so I got involved in that lifestyle and was nothing to bet $500 on a turn of a card. And he became a successful businessman and we spent our weekends gambling and partying and, um, and uh, uh, people all the time was trying to take my kids to church, you know. And so I finally would let them pick my kids up and take them to church. And I felt so guilty because I was raised in church and I knew that's where it's supposed to be. But I was like, no, I don't. I, I kept running from God. Like, I'm not ready to quit living yet. I haven't had any. I haven't lived. Well, uh, anyway, the Lord started. I, I had one problem, though, all my life that that I couldn't get away from uh, in the cotton patch. You know, <laughs> I, I picked cotton when I was young. And in the cotton patch, I'd sing, so I never had any problems singing. I'd sing a cappella, you know, and, and I, I liked singing gospel music. I never did care much for singing in the world. And even though I didn't know the Lord, I still, my heart was still in gospel because that's where I heard music all the time. And I'd do all right in the cotton patch, but when i get in church and try to sing, they'd play it in the keys written. I didn't know those keys, and so I'd sound terrible, but I... My pastor was such a loving pastor, he kept on letting me sing whenever I wanted to, and I loved singing. But I also had a kidney problem that, that I would come down sometime with a, an infection that was so bad that, that I'd be, sometimes I'd be unconscious for a whole day, and Mother just finally prayed me through and never saw a doctor. And I didn't know that I had a defective kidney until after, later on in life, and as I grew older, uh, it became more of a problem. So I was either just coming down with an infection or just getting over one. Went to the doctors, finally found out that I had a defective kidney that had was twice the size of, of the other one. And um, they had, he said it probably, I was probably born that way. And they operated, but they couldn't do anything but just tie it up to fatty tissue. And I was never supposed to lift anything higher than 10 pounds, heavier than 10 pounds all my life. And so that didn't do a whole lot of good to, to have a major operation. But uh, finally in my late 20s, the Lord started drawing me, started um, putting me under conviction so bad that I, I was like, um, uh, just couldn't think of anything else. And so I saw Billy Graham crusade on television and I watched it. And so I, I kind of made a deal with the Lord. You ever make bargains with the Lord? <laughs> I'm always making bargains with the Lord, just like I had told him that if you just let me do my own thing, uh, one of these days I'll come to you, and uh, I won't be a hypocrite. I'll come all the way. When I come in, I'll come 100%. And so he left me alone for a while, sure enough, but now he was calling me. And so I, I made a deal with him. I said, if you'll just let me have this last big, uh, New Year's Eve party that we were going to because I loved dancing and I knew that if I became a Christian that was no more dancing you know that was one of the things I could never do again and so uh, I loved you know dressing up and having nice clothes and I had a husband then that could afford them so I I dressed and I thought I'll have to give away all those clothes and and I'll have to give away all my makeup and I just I'll just have to wear my hair back in a little bun and just, just dry up and die and be society's reject and I'll just never have fun again, you know. And so and I thought, okay, Lord, if that's what you require, I'll do it if you'll just let me have this one last uh, party, just this one last night of fun. And so I just felt like the Lord was saying, okay. But, you know, I just lived in such fear all the time thinking, what if I had a wreck on the way home? What if I didn't make it 
through that party. What if, what if, what if, what if? And I finally said, okay, I guess you're not gonna leave me alone, are you? You're just, I'm just gonna have to make that commitment. And so I did, I knelt beside my bed, gave away my party dress and wasn't anything wrong with it, really. I wish I had it back, it's beautiful. <laughs> but uh, I, 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 just, I just thought I'm just gonna have to completely die. But you know, God doesn't require that of us, I found out, but he does require everything. And the main thing is, is that he wanted me to be willing to give up anything and everything that I thought he wanted me to. And so I made that commitment and uh, I dreaded, I thought, what am I going to do on New Year's Eve? I thought going to church is the most boringest thing. I have run from it all my life. I just don't know if I can bear to go to church on New Year's Eve, uh, you know, and not go partying. But I made myself go. And, and I, I didn't feel any different. I, I, I just was making all these commitments to the Lord, and I was just, but I didn't feel anything. And so come Sunday, I went to church again, and, and I thought, you know, it's not supposed to be like this, is it? You know, I mean, I, I just feel terrible. And, and so the preacher just happened to be preaching that morning about what salvation is. And uh, he was talking about, you've got to be willing to repent of your sins. And I was checking the list. I did that. And you've got to be willing to do this. I did that. And you've got to give up things for the Lord. I did that. And then the, the last thing was, you've got to tell people. You've got to, to, to tell people that you've accepted the Lord. And I hate services where they try to sneak people into the kingdom. We have to be a, a proud of the Lord. We have to do that boldly and, and not be ashamed of him. And so... I hadn't done that, and so I stood up in church. I was scared, but I stood up in church and I told them, I've accepted the Lord, I've become a Christian. And that's when the change started. That's when, I mean, the Lord, the next six months, I, I led six, uh, 18 of my friends and family to the Lord. I just, God started performing miracles in my life, just right and left, started answering prayers, started using me in all kinds of ways. And I thought, after a while, I thought, you know, Lord, you're trying to show me, aren't you, that living for you does not have to be a boring life. Once we sell out to you, and I sold out to him, you, you, he showed me that, it, that he, he comes with life more abundantly. And it was the enemy that kept me robbed. And to make, I won't go into a long story, but the Lord totally gave me a new kidney, amazed the doctors, I mean, just uh, called me out one morning in church and had a word that uh, described everything I was going through. And uh, I was so excited because all the pain and I was real sick at the time. Everything just left me. And I'm telling you this to tell you that, that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And once we get a miracle from the Lord or a touch of God, we have to fight sometime to keep it because he'll try to take it away from you. And so I was, I was home that day and I was calling everybody telling everybody about how God had had uh, healed me. And I didn't know at the time he'd given me a new kidney, but I was just knew that I had been healed. And um, all of a sudden it was like everything came back. The, the bad feelings, the, the fever, everything hit me. And I didn't know what to think. I was, I, even though I'd been raised in church, I was still relatively young Christian. And I thought, oh my goodness, I've been lying. Now I'm gonna have to call everybody and tell them that that God didn't heal me after all. And, you know, I was just very confused. And I thought, what's going on? Went to my bedroom, picked up a track or a book that somebody had given me and was reading about faith and how the enemy comes to steal from you. And I just, it was like the Holy Spirit was just reasoning with me, you know, saying, would God, I thought, would God be a be an Indian giver. We used to talk like that, you know, in my, my days, you know, when you take something back, you're an Indian giver. None, and I'm an Indian myself, so I'm not putting down Indians, okay? I'm, I'm Cherokee, part Cherokee Indian. And um, anyway, I'd say, God's not going to take it back. He's not going to snatch it back. And I, I just began to reason that out. And so I thought, you know what? This has got to be the enemy trying to take my healing. And so I got on my knees and I said, Lord, I don't care if they tell me tomorrow, I've only got six months to live, I'm still going to believe you healed me. And I had to fight for about a month, that was all, for my healing. And I'm telling you, that's been 
30-something years ago, and I have never even had a bladder infection since then. And my doctors were amazed, but found, come to find out I had experienced a creative miracle in my body, and my kidney is just the size of the other one, and everything's fine. But anyway, um, I, I just began, God began to just um, speak to me in so many ways. I, I wanted, uh, I began to, to have such a tremendous desire to read the Word that I couldn't get away from it. I got involved in different ministries where I could be a, a part of ministries because going to church wasn't enough. <laughs> Here I hate, I went from hating to go to church to three times a week was not enough for me. I had to get involved with somebody somewhere got involved with a little baloney ministry they called where they'd serve sandwiches and truck drivers and all kinds of people would just stop, not knowing even why they would stop there. And This little place of business, and they'd come in and eat baloney sandwiches and, and we'd talk about Jesus. And, and so I, I got involved in all kinds of things, but uh, I, I couldn't, I didn't have an, a high school education. I, I quit in school and uh, and so I, I felt very inferior, believe it or not. I couldn't talk in front of people. <laughs> and, uh, but I wanted to read the Word, and I just I couldn't get enough of it. And I'd, I'd sit in the closet with the closet light on and read all night long and, and uh, get a couple hours sleep. And uh, normally that's not enough for me. But the Lord just, I, I just read all the time, just studied, studied. Finally, uh, after a while, I began to uh, minister uh, even though I was scared to death, I was pushed into ministering in nursing homes and things of this nature and be, just fell in love with that. And um, was going to go to Bible college and um, the Lord told me no, that, that he would teach me. And, and so I just began to, to study and, and just read constantly in the Word. And, and the Lord really blessed and uh, he gave me charge through our church, a Christian coffee house. And um, that started out with a handful and ended up being about 100 people. And we had, mostly it was a ministry, it was in the 70s, and it was a ministry, y'all know about that, that scene, the Jesus freak scene, but also a tremendous drug back in those days, big drug problem and hippies and so on. And so we would take people in and uh, help them get off drugs and, and so on and tell them about Jesus. And the Lord said, this Christian coffee house would be like an incubator. And so I would train the core members and then they'd go out in the ministry. So I kept losing my core members to the ministry, <laughs> but they'd go off and start ministries of their own. So the Lord used me in that, in that way. And, and uh, there, there was ended up being about a hundred people on, on uh, Saturday nights. And then, you know, my life just kind of fell apart for a while. Just, they're just, the enemy comes against you with attack, and seems like if he comes with one thing, it's it's not so bad. But if he starts hitting you in a different area, and then a different area, I found out my son had been was on drugs, and I found out my daughter slipped away from the Lord and got pregnant, and I found out my husband had been running around on me, and it's just one thing after another. It was just boom, 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 and um, I got so despondent that I left, and I said, I'm. I'm, I'm giving up the coffee house. I'm, I'm just getting away. I wouldn't forgive, you know, because I was just, I wasn't, I didn't know I was mad at God, but I was mad. <laughs> and I grew up a fighter. We lived by the, by people we, that was called the Martins. And uh, we'd go off to pick cotton and they'd fill our, our wells with uh, all kinds of things. And we'd come home and we were tough because we had, the girls and all, we'd pick cotton, you know, and so we were, we were strong for girls. And we'd come in and they would have done all kinds of stuff and we'd go and just, just beat them up. And uh, they'd, they'd, be, they'd hide in the ditches and, and throw rocks at us coming home from school and we'd just chase them down because we could outrun them too. And we'd beat them up and every once in a while we'd call a truce and we'd play baseball and we'd beat them at baseball too and they'd get mad and, and hit us or something and we'd just chase them down and beat them up. So as I got older, you know, somebody messing around with my husband, I'd just pull her out. Of, we had a bowling alley, and I'd just pull her out and beat her up, you know. And so that was my answer. You know, somebody didn't do right, you just beat them up. So after I became a Christian, the Lord said, you can't beat people up anymore. And uh, I, a couple of times I wanted to, and I just almost said, just, Lord, just let me hit them one time. The Lord said, no. 
you can't do that. So hardest lesson for me to learn was meekness. Uh, the Lord nat naturally put me in a study of the Beatitudes, and I became, I've got one of my best teachings at women's seminars and, and stuff is on the Beatitudes, but the meekness was the hardest one for me to learn, to, to let God fight the battles. You know, that's what it means. It don't mean you've you got to become a coward, but you got to be a, be, be, let God work it out for you. So I had to learn that the hard way. <laughs> But uh, after all of this, and I ran off, and let me back to my story, uh, digress here. But I, I ran off and uh, was unforgiving, I guess, for about two years. And all I could think about was all this time I'd been serving the Lord, and then all this stuff had happened. And um, uh, I, after about, uh, I quit singing, had to, had to retrain my voice, even though I never had lessons, but I had to start singing all over again after this was over but one day I just I have a song about that um, put your trust in me I was just off and I was singing uh, just saying Lord here I am off all by myself away from home away from my grandchildren and, and nobody cares about me you know nobody cares where I am and I was feeling sorry for myself and the Lord spoke to me and he said I care put your trust in me and um, he showed me where my sin was worse than theirs because I was a minister and uh, I knew God and they didn't. And so um, my husband had though at the time, but he was just backslidden. He, I got saved first and he got saved later. He was always asking me to pray and God would, was answering prayers, you know, back when I first became a Christian. And, and then God was answering prayers, and he was always, well, pray for this. Well, God healed my ankle when you pray for me, so will you pray for this? Will you pray for that? One day I told him, I said, I'm tired of praying for you. You want, to get, you want God to hear your prayers? Get saved and pray for yourself. I'm not praying anymore for you. And I don't, I don't know why I even said that, you know. I mean, it's just something I, I know it was the Lord, you know, later. But I said, if you want, you want God to answer your prayers, you get saved, you ask him, you pray for yourself. You don't have to have somebody else pray for you. The next Sunday he got saved. <laughs> and so, but he went back to his gambling and, and slipped away from the Lord. And so this is what happened. And in the Bible says you get seven times worse. I really believe that. And so there was just problems at every hand. And so whenever I got to this place though, where I said, God, you know, I can't live like this. Um, I, I wasn't off, you know, doing things I wasn't supposed to do. I was just off in the mully grubs. And uh, I said, Lord, I can't live like this anymore. And the Lord said, then you need to forgive. And so he showed me that my sin was worse. And when he did, and I was, I was so convicted that I, I repented. And so when you do that, and, and I just said, okay, God, I just give you all this mess. It's yours. You're just going to have to take care of it. And he put all the pieces back together. He can take he can take our lives if we really give it to him. And he just began to put all the pieces. This, the daughter came back to the Lord and, and her daughter at two years old was leading people to the Lord, was just a, a fantastic little witness herself. And, and, uh, and uh, he, he mended my marriage and said if I'd go back to him, he would bring him back to the Lord and he did. And, and so I just needed to forgive and so I learned all kinds of lessons through these times, you know, where you, uh, even though it's terrible, and even though you get into sin, God can still teach you. And He taught me things about faith. And, and now, when things, when somebody does something, I learn to just forgive immediately. It's not worth, you know, uh, having bitterness and resentment and causing you to miss out. You know, just forgive. You know whether they ask whether they want you to or not, or ask you or not. If you just forgive, then you don't have to you don't have to let it get a root. So I learned about roots, and so uh, I came back, and the Lord began to to use me again. And started giving me songs, and He had been giving me songs, and I made my first album. And uh, after I did that, I started getting um, uh, requests to come here and there, and and became my, my dream <laughs> because I'd always wanted to share the Lord, you know. So I became a, an evangelist singing and uh, preaching when I was loud. <laughs> I, go, I minister in every kind of church you can imagine. I've even sang in a, in a Catholic church and, 
and uh, so I've sang in almost every denomination you can you can name. I love them all. I, they ask me what 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 I am now. I don't, I don't even know anymore. I just say I'm a born again Christian. And uh, so in churches where they they don't let you preach, I just share testimony. So <laughs> I hadn't quite figured out the difference, but I just uh, I've asked God for songs, and He gives me testimonies of. Uh, uh, gives me stories to go with the songs and so I just say can I share how I got this song and so uh, they let me do that and uh, like as the wind blows one of the songs that I wrote the Lord gave me a vision so I was able to share that and then people just start reading the scriptures because it comes from the scriptures and so I I feel like I don't get songs I get messages and and into music and so um, God has given me a, a lot of them. I've never been signed to a contract. I was offered one in Nash, uh, to go to Nashville if I'd give up gospel, and uh, I, I, I couldn't make a deal like that. They wanted me to record, help me make it through the night, and I sing. I don't sing songs about giving, you know, living immoral tonight, and and uh, you know, let the devil take tomorrow. He's not taking anything, <laughs> you know, not today, not tomorrow. And so uh, he had what he had of my yesterdays, and that's all he's going to have. He's not going to have any more of my tomorrows. And so um, I asked the Lord for a song, and he gave me one about that too, singing for Jesus. And so um, I've, I've just been, um, it's just been wonderful. I've been able to go to six mission trips in Romania, and I was able to go there as soon as they'd gotten free from communism, and they didn't have any access to gospel music. And so they loved country, and the only way they could, could hear music was if they'd take a little cassette and they'd take it to, uh, maybe somebody would have some little music on a cassette and they'd, they'd take it and gather a bunch of people together and they'd play it. Everybody had players, but no, no tapes or nothing. And they'd play it, and then they'd take it, and they'd go to, in a cab, and a taxi cab would play it, and so on and so on. So when I went to Romania, that's the way it was. So I was able, by the Lord's help to just flood the area with with uh, C uh, cassettes, later CDs, and um, we would go and, and share the gospel at, at and they'd just come by the tens of thousands to the Lord, accept the Lord, and uh, hungry for God. And um, I, I, I wanted to see that in America. I said, God, you know, I've got to see people that hungry in America for Jesus. It's terrible. I come back home, I go to to prison ministry because I have a prison ministry as well every chance I get and when I came back they were talking about my higher power my higher power you can't hardly say that that's hard to say isn't it my higher power this and my higher power that and I couldn't take it I stood up and I said wait a minute wait a minute what is this higher power stuff and they said well we've been told that we shouldn't name the name of Jesus because there are other there are other religions here and that we don't want to offend someone so we should just refer to our God whoever he is is our higher power so we I said what wait a minute I just came back from Romania where people were begging us had been under communism where they could be killed for having a gospel tape and they would still smuggle stuff just to hear the word and I'd say they, they're begging us to tell them about Jesus. And here in America, where we have sent missionaries all over the world and we have had our laws founded upon God, upon His Word, we can't name the name of Jesus where we go. And that's what's happening. People are wanting us to stop doing that over and over. I said, you know, they told uh, the disciple, uh, Peter, he, Paul, they, they've told them they couldn't do that either, but they did it anyway, even risking death in prison. And I said, we can do no less. If we don't tell them about Jesus, how are they going to be saved? There is no other name. And if it offends people, then it needs to offend people. But we cannot stop naming the name of Jesus. And so uh, that's what I do. I, I travel, I minister, I, 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 uh, I sell what CDs I can, but I give away a whole lot more just getting the gospel out there everywhere we go and I met some of you uh, precious truck drivers because that later became one of my greatest loves because somebody got a hold to some of my CDs at a truck stop or somewhere and I started getting calls and letters from truck drivers and so I started sending out packets of CDs everywhere met Ron Young 
and uh, he told me about taking five of my songs in a, in a cassette all over the United States and passing them out. So I began to hear about some of your precious ministries, and, um, and so I thought, uh, if you can't share in the church and the prisons as freely as you can, I mean, we got to share it wherever we can. And the Lord showed me that that was one of the greatest revivals going on is in the trucking business. And so I've never been a truck driver. My hu first husband was, and Jim Davenport, whom I'm married to now, was. And so um, I have, I've, I've had, uh, we had a business where we had uh, milk, so they drove 18 wheelers. So I've been involved uh, around truck drivers, and so I know that that's a powerful ministry. And uh, <clears throat> it's such a joy to go in a truck stop and pick up CDs where they have testimonies and music. And we sometimes drop off some of my CDs even in these spots and just let them, uh, let, let them be blessed, hopefully. And so I came here, what, seven years ago. I had just lost my husband and my daughter and came here to Georgia. I think y'all were in Georgia and met some of you and uh, Bill Tyson and several of you <clears throat> and met my husband who was married at the time and got up and invaded one of his songs, asked to sing with him. And uh, so he started using my music in uh, his CD uh, ministry for truckers. And uh, six years later, when his wife passed away, he called me and uh, we, the Lord put us together. And so now we have a ministry together and hoping to get uh, that ministry up and running more and more. And so, um, he travels with me wherever I go to minister, and we're getting uh, the stuff out as much as we can to to continue in the truck truck ministry, and that's that's a real love of both of our lives. And I just love the Lord, and I just love to to share Him wherever and however I can, and um, whenever the doors open. And so I appreciate the opportunity to share a little bit of my testimonies. I love the Lord, and I love what He's doing. I love what He's doing with all of you. And uh, if we would just have a, a hunger for souls, he'll use us in any kind of way we possibly can. And we have to share the gospel everywhere we go. I've learned that, you know, to, to all the world. And we're not going to, none of us is going to get to all the world. But if we share it in our world, wherever that is, to whoever we come in contact with, then the whole world will eventually hear the gospel. And I just thank Jesus that, that he called me. I didn't call him, and um, I, I, I praise him that he saved me.
Well, friends, I want to ask you the most important question of your life. Are you saved? I'm not asking you if you're a good person or if you go to church. I'm asking, are you saved? If you died right now, would you go to heaven? If you was at the gates of heaven and St. Peter asked you, why should I let you into heaven, what would you say? What would the answer be? Do you know the answer? The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, and death is the separation from God, and separation from God is an eternity in hell. That's bad news. But I've got some good news for you. The good news of the Bible is that God loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. In Romans chapter 10, verse 9, the Bible says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. The scripture says, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. There is no difference between Jews or Greeks, rich or poor, the same Lord over all. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Are you saved? If you're not sure, if you're not living for Jesus, pray this prayer with me right now. Oh God, I know I'm a sinner. I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I believe His shed blood, death, burial, and resurrection was just for me. I now receive Him as my Savior. Thank you, Lord. Forgive me for my sins. I receive this gift of salvation and everlasting life because of your mercy and your grace. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, call someone.
Friends, that's Ann Webb Davenport, and you can contact Ann at 281-636-5100 or log on to her website at annwebministries.com. Give her a call and order some of her great CDs. I know you'll be glad you did. we got time for one more song from Ann Webb Davenport. Here's A Million Years From Now. Time will heal it all What difference will it make anyway In a million years or so Well, that may be true About most things you do Who you know or what you have Oh, but there is one thing That will matter for a million years from now Do you know Jesus? Are you born again? Have you opened up your heart And that's Jesus here But if you've been to Calvary Before the
Friends, if you prayed and asked Jesus Christ into your heart, then we want you to give us a call. Our phone number is 618-383-2107, and we're going to end today's program like we end most of our programs. That's with my testimony in song that I wrote with the help of my songwriting partner, Tom Caldwell. And now we've got a new songwriting partner, Dennis McKay, and he has helped us with this song and brought it up to a new level. Here's... Dennis McKay with At the Foot of the Tree off of our brand new CD, Lonesome Road, Volume 1. And yes, you'll be able to get a copy of this CD by calling us, 618-383-2107. Here's Dennis McKay with At the Foot of the Tree. Roads of life Lost without hope Eighteen wheels of lonesome At the end of the road In my hand was a track The preacher had read His words still echoing In the back of my head I felt so ashamed When I thought of my past Then I called his name This chance would it be my last Then I saw Jesus Hanging on that tree I lifted up my heart From down on my knees Today I met Jesus at the foot of the cross Broken hearted and lonesome So long I've been lost I left a lifetime of misery At the foot of the tree rolling down that old lonesome road and I shared the good news wherever I go yes there's been a change I'm not the man I used to be and I tell everybody what's happened to me how I felt so ashamed when I thought of my past But I called his name This chance Could it be my last Then I saw Jesus Hanging on that tree And I lifted up my heart From down on my knees Today I met Jesus At the foot of the cross Broken-hearted and lonesome So long I've been lost I left a lifetime of misery At the foot of the tree Then I saw Jesus Hanging on that tree I lifted up my heart From down on my knees Today I met Jesus Foot of the cross Broken hearted and lonesome So long I'd been lost I left a lifetime of misery At the foot of the tree